Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. Uh, my name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors and just want to say again how delighted we are to be able to have people back together uh, and, and all the things that come along with that. And at the same time, equally delighted that people are able to still join us uh, online remotely. We're, we're, we're just happy that we're able to engage and connect. Um, I do want to, uh, well, let's pray. That, that'll be the best way to start. Let's pray. Uh, God, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence uh, with us. And, and I ask, Lord, is that we, uh, as we transition, as we, as we make this shift from ordinary time to Advent, um, that uh, there's a lot of things that come along with that, lots of feelings and, and tensions and, and spaces of openness and spaces of, of, of closeness and, and all, just all kinds of things, Lord. And so I pray you would help us to enter in in a way uh, that is helpful and healthy for us and for others, um, that we would be thoughtful about you as we go through our day. And as we do that, we would see you and others. We would, uh, Christ, you would go before us and we would see in everyone we talk to, um, we would see you and that they would see in us uh, you as we reflect and live out uh, and embody uh, your life. Uh, so yeah, God, just be with us and help us as we, as we transition. Uh, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are wrapping up our uh, series in First John, uh, and if you remember, we've called it God is Love, and the reason was that is that's a central uh, uh, theme in this, uh, in this letter. It's a letter that was written about 2,000 years ago by a guy named John, uh, who was one of Jesus' uh, closest friends and followers, and so uh, we thought it'd be a great way to, to engage with Jesus is through that, and so that's one of the things we discovered is that John had this foundation that he built kind of everything else off of, this idea and this reality that God is love, and so we're going to um, get into that today, and um, we're going to spend a few minutes kind of wrapping up the last little bits of, of this, because there's still some stuff that John has left. But once we do that, we're going to go back and do what we did in the first week, and we're going to read through the whole thing, and then give some time for reflection and, and, and comments and, and stuff from you all, and to kind of see, has it changed at all since we first went through it, right? It's been, it's been a while. It's been a couple months. And so how now that we've gone through it, how do we hear these words again? Um, and see if they're any different, or maybe they're still the same. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to do that. But first, we're going to look at um, John, uh, 1 John 5, 13 through 21. And so if you have your Bible, you can open it up to that. Uh, if not, the verses will be up on the screen uh, for you to read along with. So here we go. It's John, 1 John 5, 13 through 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who is born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. 
We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Now, you might be thinking, uh, there's a lot in there to try to wrap up in a few minutes. And there is, but we're going to do it anyways. Um, But, (laughs) um, so... He identifies right at the start of this section why he wrote. And he says, I wrote this so that you may know. And he says right there, so that you may know that you have eternal life. But there's also a lot of other things that we're told in this section that we know, right? So there's the first one, eternal life. And then there's a whole big list of other ones that come after that. So next on the list is that uh, anyone born of God does not sin, right? This comes up later in this very passage. We are told that we know that the one who was born of God keeps them safe, followers of Jesus. We know that we are children of God. We know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding for the purpose of knowing what is true, who is true, and that the result of all this knowing, all this knowing that goes on, eternal life, anyone born all the way through that whole list, The purpose of that is knowing that we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ, right? And so John is really trying to establish a lot. And he says, I write this so that you know you have eternal life. But then he follows up a few verses later with all these other things. You know this, you know this, we know this. And this word know is not just kind of we know it on paper, But it's no like in our person, in the depth of who we are, with everything we are, we know. And he shifts his attention now to prayer, right? He goes from you know you have eternal life to prayer. And his focus on prayer here might seem like it's just on us getting what we want, right? It seems to say something in there about whatever we ask, we know we'll get. And I feel like when, when I read it that way, I'm reading it a lot like, uh, there was this one time I told my kids, and this was probably a mistake, but I said, you know what? Every night, we'll have something for dessert. Now, something is a really wide category, right? It could be an apple. It could be some crackers. It could be something. But in their mind, something is a very narrow category that is things like ice cream and ice cream and maybe some ice cream, right? And so it came up for a long time that there was this thing where they'd say, hey, can we have dessert? And I'd say, yeah, there's tons of stuff. Here's an apple. And they'd be like, no, no, no. Can we have dessert? I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Here's this apple. They'd be like, no, 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 right? And so there's this thing where sometimes when we hear the phrase like we get what we ask for, we think, oh, that means whatever I ask for. But John does a very good job here of qualifying it and say, whatever we ask according to God's will, whatever we ask that's in line with God's will, we know that he hears us and we know that we have what we asked of him. Right? And then we say, okay, well, that makes sense because, sure, whatever, if it's in line with what God says, of course God would answer that. That, that doesn't seem like it's that difficult. But if we remember the context of what John is talking about here, he's been telling this group that they have to love one another. 
in a time where it might not be easy to love one another? Do you ever struggle to express and live out love to everyone? I do. Immediately comes to my mind, oh, here's some people that it's really hard. And, and even in my mind, it makes sense because those are people who maybe, you know, we fought before, we don't like each other, these kinds of things. But then the people even who are close to me, I ask God often for help. And this whole letter invites people to ask God for help, for them to live out this life of following Jesus, loving God, and loving each other all the time. In the ups and downs, the backs and forths, the round and rounds, every single moment of every day, we're invited to love one another. And when I read it in that context, I go, oh, yeah. This isn't just me asking for what I want and getting some dessert. This is me asking in line with that movement to love one another. It's me asking for help in doing that. It's me asking for the presence to be able to do that. And then it does seem miraculous that God can even do that because there are some times where I'm not a very loving person. And I know that's not true of any of you either, but... um, And so then he moves on, and he starts talking about sin, which we don't really want to hear about either. But he says, uh, if you're struggling with something to pray for, here it is. If you see someone commit a sin, then you pray for them. Right? It's not someone you suspect is sinning. And the thing here is it's if you see someone. So it's an observable kind of thing. It's not a suspicion. It's not, I'm kind of questioning the intent of your heart. It's more, I saw this happen, and now I'm going to pray. It's also, it says, if you see a brother or sister, if you see a sibling in Christ's sin. So this is meant for uh, amongst believers it's not for someone who, who, who does not proclaim to follow Christ or does not profess to follow Christ. It's not the, that kind of movement. It's, it's amongst believers that we, if we see someone sin, we're supposed to pray. But then he throws in this weird phrase, sin that, that leads to death and doesn't lead to death. And scholars have gone round and round about what this could and could not mean. Some say he's just talking about the really bad sins. Like, there's some that we, we might view as, ah, oh, that's not so bad. But there's others, oh, that's really bad. And so some people think that when he's talking about the sins that lead to death, it's the really bad ones. And some think it's the intent behind the sin, right? Maybe if it was intentional, that's the one that is the one that leads to death. But if it's the one that, ah, it was an accident, it just kind of happened, I wasn't really, then maybe that's the one that doesn't lead to death. Some people connect it to Mark 3, 28 through 30, where we we read that there's this thing about grieving the Holy Spirit, and it seems really bad. And so some people attach this to that. Some people say, well, it's not the one-time sin, even if it was intentional. It's the ongoing, deliberate, persistent rejection of God. Maybe that's the sin that leads to death. Or that it has to do with whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. And we really want to figure this out. And the thing is, I think we want to figure it out, not so much for the other person, but for ourselves, because we want to know, have I committed the sin that leads to death? I'd really like to know if I have. But this part of the passage isn't about that. 
It's inviting us to pray for our siblings in Christ. And, it, and John doesn't provide a big distinction. He doesn't go into what makes those two different. He says there's, there's a sin that leads to death, but I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to pray when you've seen someone enter into sin. Pray that Christ would give them life. It doesn't even say pray that they would get their act together. Pray that, that they would get it straightened out. It says pray for them, intercede for them, that Christ would give them life. So the thing I want, to, I want us to think about with this, I want to invite us into, is that what that means is that uh, we have to be in each other's business. We have to be able to see each other. We have to be able to be around one another to even know if this happens. We have to be involved in each other's lives. Are we gathering in ways where our lives can be seen? Seen in a way that someone could say, oh, hey, I saw that. Let me ask you about that. Or seen to say, hey, I saw this. I'm going to pray for that. Because a lot of us, we show up on Sunday, and we typically behave pretty well here, right? Because we know we're supposed to. But then we go home, and maybe it's not the same way, right? And so are there any spaces we're in where people can see enough of our lives where they could actually pray for us if they saw something or could follow up on it and ask us about it? Could be in a ministry group, could be in a core group, could be different ways to get connected, could be a friend group, could be your family, I will say in a very delightful way, my kids call me out on things all the time. And it's good. It's very good. And so one of the ways we can pray in line with God's will is that when we see someone entering into something they shouldn't be, we can pray for them and we can be confident that God will bring life to them. We're not sure that they'll accept it or receive it, but we can be confident that God will bring them life. And so then he moves on. And he wraps up with this really odd statement. Uh, basically says, dear children, don't have anything to do with idols. And lots of people wonder about this. They wonder if John even wrote it, because it seems like he really could have ended on the sentence before, and maybe this was a scribe later on who was uh, you know, transposing it and writing it to another document, and maybe they added it in like, oh yeah, don't forget that. That's really important. Did John run out of time? Not finish? Um, and while... All those are possible. I think it's more likely that it's just his closing thought. Oh, before I go, and we don't really experience this that much anymore because every closing thought we have, we said as an individual text. And so we don't have like typically long lists. But sometimes when I'm hanging out with someone and we're getting ready to leave, someone will say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, before you leave, don't forget this. Or I wanted to tell you about this. Or much like a parent sending out their kids, hey, be sure you look both ways before you cross the street. Do you have your phone with you? Is it charged? Be sure to do this, right? Maybe this is the way John is saying, yeah, yeah, and this is something I'm always going to say to you, don't have anything to do with idols, right? And so I don't think there's a lot of investigation we need to do. I don't think we have to question it. I think he's just saying idols are dangerous, but I think with all those four things where we wind up, it's in this spot where 
what we're realizing is that what we really need to know is that God is love. John says we have seen, touched, and heard. We've had fellowship with. We've experienced that God is love. And we have found this God through the Holy Spirit meeting with us in Jesus. And we have enjoyed fellowship together with God. And we're inviting you into that. And I think that's where John ends. And so that's where I want us to end. We're going to transition now to I'm going to read through, try to quickly read through, um, and have a few minutes for um, some discussion afterwards. So, um, and if you want to get up and walk around, that's totally fine. Um, this is just going to be me reading through First John. But I also want you to be listening to those things that you heard the first time we did this. And those feelings we had, remember some of the things we talked about, circular arguments, the, 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 the sort of binary way that John sees things. It's either this or that, love or hate, light or darkness, life, death, right? All the things that he goes through. And see if those things still resonate the same way. Here we go, First John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, And yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children... I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all, you, all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves just as He is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. 
Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how we know, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves, the child, loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater, because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe, God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 
I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Now I'm going to get a microphone. And just want to open it up for people who would like to respond. Things you heard this time, maybe they're the same as last time. Maybe they're different. Um, But what did you hear this time? I wasn't here when you read it through the first time at the beginning, but one of the things that stands out to me is the repetition over and over of the many different things that the Son of God has given us. So there's just so many phrases of that throughout that I want to go back and look at all of those together. Right, yeah. Mm. That's good, thank you. I have a son who grew up loving Jesus, but in the last few years has said he no longer knows Jesus. It, I need to know that God hears my prayers. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we read today. We can know that. Mm. Thank you. Mm. That is so assuring to know that. So the first time um, I commented on the word fellowship, and I heard it again, that we have fellowship with him, we have fellowship with one another. And I'm so excited today to think there's so many more people here, and that that has changed, that people are starting to come back into the sanctuary, into church, to see one another, to have fellowship with one another. And I am blessed by that, it's an answer to prayer. Thank you. Yeah, what else? So interestingly, the um, last statement about keeping yourself from idols made a whole lot of sense. It didn't feel like it was tacked on. Um, So as I was listening, I was just kind of thinking of like the highlights, like what are the highlights? And so it kind of just, if you just had to do an overview, you know, remain in God, and then do not be led astray, love one another, be confident, 
and then keep yourself from idols is sort of like, well, how you do all those things. You remain in God. Um, you keep your focus on him. You love one another. Um, but yet the keeping yourself from idols just kind of seemed to be a bookend and, and a wrap-up to remain um, in God. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. It is interesting when we hear it sometimes, things sound differently than when we just read that verse in isolation or read a verse in isolation. can relate to you with my kids. Um, I think it's that push-pull between being in the world, being of the world, the light and darkness, and yet we're always children of God. And we're always loved by God because He loves us first. So that's um, comforting in a very chaotic world. Just getting my steps in. Uh, today, uh, during uh, worship, just a lot of the songs that we sang were about, you know, there is no greater love and um, that kind of stuff. And I, there's always, there's a psalm that for years and years has always been impactful in my life. And there's a verse that says, um, with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. And not feared in the sense of, you know, I'm scared of you, I can't approach you, but there, there was such an awe that God would forgive. And it was, we're talking about, you know, First John today and remembering all the love that John's talking about is rooted in Christ, and it was so different and so um, otherworldly and perfect, and there was a holiness to it that kind of melts your heart in a sense of um, this is an amazing thing. It's not something like we talk about love that's, I love cookies or you know whatever, but there was something sacred about it. And when I think about that as you're reading, it was just really impactful to think about how that affects our fellowship and our friendships together with our neighbors and with each other and um, yeah, there's still more I'm thinking about, but that kind of what does it mean to have that kind of a sacred love that when we see someone sin or if we sin, that that love is something that melts our hearts. It doesn't come in to judge, but it comes in and when people experience that, they're experiencing the love of Christ that, that softens a heart and transforms a heart and that kind of stuff. But yeah, anyway. Thanks, Dan. Thank you all for allowing us to do that a little bit differently. Um, I think one thing that I noticed for myself and even in our reading or in our feedback was um, there wasn't 
the same, there was a, a focus on some different things. Um, you know, and it was, it was, there was concern for others, there was prayer for others, there was our heart for others, there was how love works. Um, you know, there was some of the stuff that John talked about, about, you know, it's not fear or punishment, um, something different than that. Um, talk about fellowship, right? There was talk about all the things that Jesus has done, right? And, and there wasn't as much sort of a concern or maybe it just wasn't feeling the same about like, oh, these statements come across as really divisive or, uh, and that might still all be in there. Um, it's just interesting that right now there's a different and maybe that's just part of, of reading through it. And maybe if we read through it again a week from now, we might be like, oh, no, those statements I really don't like. But that's the thing. We keep reading and we keep engaging and we keep learning and we keep growing. I think it is something for our community to listen to that the words that we've gotten from each other right now have been about fellowship, for caring for one another, for love, for connection with Jesus, knowing who Jesus is, all the things that Jesus has done. I think those are really significant for us right now, and I think it'd be good for us to attend to those well. Um, so with that, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Um, I'm going to pray. I don't have any questions for us to answer. There's, there's a, just a lot for us to think about. This has actually been quite a delightful time to sit and, and, and kind of hear from each other some of the things that are going on. Um, I would ask us if, if there were things you heard about, right, people we care for, that, that need prayer, that we join in with, with our brothers and sisters who mention they're praying for those things. That we, we take those things before the Lord also. Um, it's another way we can support and love one another is to join together and, and, and help each other that way. Um, the prayer team will also be there if you need prayer for anything at all. Um, please, please see them about that. They would love to, to pray with you. Um, and so I'm gonna pray. Then the, the team will give us just a few minutes of, of time to think and reflect some more um, on, on what we've heard and been through, and then we'll close with a song and a benediction. Uh, Jesus, I give you great thanks. Um, yeah, Lord, for the, the many things that you have done. Lord, and the, 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 I pray that we could each with John say, this is not something we, we just know because we read it on paper, but it could truly be something we experience. This love that, that, that we read about that's been lavished upon us, that we are children of yours, children of God. Lord, and not just us, but as we heard, there are people that we care for that we would like to have that experience, to know that same love in a way that, that transforms God, and, and, and that actually in lots of ways brings out the things that are already there that you've created that are really good and sometimes get tangled up and, and hidden uh, by the things that, that aren't of you. Um, so that I pray that as we think of others, we would think of you. We'd think of how you lived and how you loved um, and we would do that. And God, also that we would have an understanding that there are invitations here that, that John has given, that in our context might look really different. Um, so help us to know where those spots are, where those nuances are, that we might need to express a different behavior in the way we love um, 
yeah, help us to be attentive to you, Spirit, and, and to love well. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.